I'm here with Alex Debris, who is well known for DynamoDB stuff in the AWS community. But um, Alex, can you really quickly say how you think about yourself, what you're up to? Yeah, sure. I'd say it's it's kind of a weird uh, mismatch, and, and I have trouble describing myself to people. I would say, yeah, I you know I, I do a lot of work with DynamoDB and just like the AWS, especially like serverless ecosystem more generally. Um, probably most known for, I wrote a book, the DynamoDB book, which is just a, a comprehensive guide to data modeling with DynamoDB. So I've got that as like sort of side income there. And then I supplement that with training or like special consulting projects related to DynamoDB. I also do like some, I'll do like contract technical writing or tutorials and things like that for like dev tool-ish like companies or infrastructure companies. So a little bit of that stuff. So just like kind of a weird uh, mismatch of, of different things that I do here. Cool. Yeah. How do you think those companies find you? Like, do they reach out to you? Yeah, that's a good question. So originally it was, yeah, yeah, I would say they reach out to me. Originally it was, AWS was the first one. So like before I even wrote the DynamoDB book, I wrote this thing called the DynamoDB Guide, which is just like a free sort of microsite around DynamoDB. This was, I believe this was the beginning of 2018 when I released this. And it's like, I don't know, 20 or 25 pages about DynamoDB, things like that. And then some product marketing person that was working on DynamoDB from AWS reached out and said, hey, do you want to do some tutorials and, and things like that for us on Dynamo? And I said, sure. So I did that. Those are the first one. I did a few projects with them over a couple of years. And then more recently, you know, since I've written the book, other like usually like database e type companies reach out. And usually I say no to database companies just because I, I really like Dynamo. Like I'm not going to do writing for your company if I don't sort of like really believe in the product and I, I just really like Dynamo, so it's hard for me to to say yes to something else. But then there have been a few other ones that aren't like straight database companies. Um, and and whether I've just sort of met people from the community and then they're at a at a place and they want some help with with writing or something like that. But yeah, usually just weird sort of networking type things. Cool. Okay, so this also ties in, I think, with being like an AWS hero. Or what is what's the actual title there? Yeah, so I'm an AWS data hero due to my work with DynamoDB. That, man, when did that come out? That was, I think that was 2019 that that happened. Again, I'd done like a few tutorials on Dynamo with, you know, the product marketing person at AWS. And they just, I think, didn't have a lot of people writing about Dynamo in the community. Or even people internally, there wasn't a, a whole lot of people writing or talking about Dynamo. I think they just had trouble finding people writing about it for whatever reason. So I did some talks at like some AWS conferences in the summer of 2019, and then they made me an AWS hero. And a hero is like, hey, someone in the community that doesn't work for AWS, but does a lot of either writing or speaking or, or just community type stuff for AWS. So got that in 2019. I knew that announcement was coming. They're like, hey, we're gonna announce this in like two months or so. And that's when I was like, okay, I think I wanna write a book. I'm like getting all this stuff prepped. So then like when the announcement came, I was also like, Hey, I'm writing a book and, and hopefully got some signups from that oh, cool. promotion. Two months stuff. is a nice lead time. The the yeah. corporate bureaucracy works for you. It, exactly. Case. Yeah. Yeah. It worked well. So that's neat. Um, so are you like on the hook for anything if you become a data hero or is it all like, do they ask you to do host events or something? Not particularly. I mean, they want you to sort of, uh, continue to engage in the community and stuff like that, but I don't have any like specific requirements on that. I also don't like get paid by them or, or anything like that um, from that. You know, like they'll give us like swag every once in a while. Like at re they, they try and get us to come to reInvent just because it's a fun time to hang out. They don't require you to do that. reInvent is like the big AWS conference. It's in Las Vegas every year. It's like 
oh, 25 to 50,000 people, depending on whether we're in COVID or not. But um, so they, they like like to get people to go to that and, and things like that. And they'll help me. Like, I'd say it's a mutually beneficial relationship. I like to do speaking and talking at different events and stuff like that, because then more people know me. They buy the book or maybe they want to hire me for something like that. And they like it because, um, you know, I'm helping promote AWS and Dynamo and things like that. Cool. How are you finding topics to talk about? I feel like the data modeling is definitely interesting. Like there's gotta be so many other things to talk about also, but also at the same time, I know from my personal experience that finding ideas is like super tough. Yeah. Um, I mean, the one thing I would say is I roll back the same talk a ton of times. I'd say I have like two or three talks that, you know, if, if someone asked me, Hey, we have an opening in a user group in an hour. Can you give a talk? I could just roll that out there and do that super easily. And a lot of the people that go to these talks are just like different groups of people, you know, cause it's like, um, you know, maybe some people that have seen it before, but a ton of people haven't heard of Dynamo before, haven't heard of me before, haven't seen this particular talk. So it's super easy to roll some of that stuff out. So I have two or three, it gets kind of boring to me to like keep repeating all these talks. And I'm like, I'm like, I, I always picture people in the audience being like, oh, I already saw this. Why does he do this? But like the reality is most people haven't. And then, but then there's like the longer term thing of like, I want to develop new talks occasionally. I want to do blog posts occasionally uh, or just different writing or like new things. And for that, I think you sort of have to just like monitor social media or Reddit or forums or like whatever it is. And like, or, or just like working, consulting with people and figuring out what their problems are and be like, oh, that isn't well explained. I need to like explain that sort of Mm. thing to someone. So um, I actually got started with this like when I was at, I, I used to work for Serverless Inc., which they make the serverless framework, which helps deploy Lambda functions and things like that to AWS. And I was on the growth team there and I just spent a ton of time in like our community Slack channel, in our forums, on Twitter, being like, what are people having problems with? And then I would write a blog post on it. So I wouldn't have to like answer in the forums every time I could be like, hey, you should just go read this blog post. And mm-hmm. um, so just like mining for ideas like that i think you know um the stacking the bricks people amy hoy and uh, i can't remember the other guy but um they they sort of like say that like hey find the watering holes where people hang out and where they're having problems and then just you know answer those questions right all right tangential what do you think of serverless cloud that they just released that's their own stuff it's not aws right or maybe it is but you don't know I think it's, yeah, I think it's probably using AWS under the scenes and maybe would use some other clouds in the future, things like that. I think it's super interesting. I love Jeremy Daly and a lot of the other folks that are working on it. I know them quite well. So I haven't gotten a ton of time to to play with it and things like that. It's interesting. There's there's sort of like a split between the infrastructure as code world and like the infrastructure from code world, mm-hmm. right? So like infrastructure as code is like what serverless framework does where you write all this code, but then you also have like a giant YAML file that describes the infrastructure you want to create, your Lambda right. functions, DynamoDB, all that stuff. And it runs in your account. Yeah, yep, good point too. So I like that. I like the explicitness of like having my infrastructure in a separate file and I can inspect that and then having my sort of code code separate from that, my function code or whatever. What they're doing is sort of like, hey, you write like a, a file, it looks sort of like Express, if you're familiar with that from Node.js and, and you know, you can use, you can add HTTP endpoints or queue processors and things like that. And they'll like parse that file and create the infrastructure from that. So create your Lambda functions, create your API gateway routes, create your queue, all that stuff. I like, I, I like Jeremy a lot. I think it's super interesting. I, I find those, it's sort of my same problem with the CDK, which is a, another tool. Every project I think looks like a snowflake because people just organize their code completely different. And then it's like, if I'm onboarding onto a project, it's way harder to me for me to know what all the HTTP endpoints are, where all the queues are, things like that. Whereas if like, if I'm going to a serverless framework project, 
I go to that YAML file and I know I can like find at least the infrastructure part of that and, and orient myself. So I like that aspect of of the original serverless framework, but I, mm-hmm. you know, I hope I hope serverless cloud works. And serverless cloud is runs on their stuff, just to be clear. Right? Yep, not, correct. Not, yeah. Okay. So I think Anyways. another problem, just like with serverless generally, you have people that are new to AWS and signing up for AWS and putting in a credit card and learning all these different things is so freaking hard. And like they're doing a great job of just saying, hey, you sign up, sign up for our service. We're going to provision you a separate account. We'll manage billing and all that stuff. And you just like sort of write code and get going. And I, I think that's great for getting people started with like the power of, of the cloud and things like right. that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much to know. I don't even want to talk about this in the podcast, but there's a lot of technical stuff that I've like, is this really how we're going to go? Okay. Like, did you see, um, do you remember that Twitter thread I did about one gigantic Lambda function versus splitting it up like a Lambda function per HTTP endpoint? Yep. Like, like everyone had really good arguments there, but I'm still on the fence of like, do I really want like 50 Lambda functions and like each has their own IAM permissions and like, like yep. stuff like yep. that? I don't know. Like I, I, the code, I guess, like manages that for you in theory. So like, that's okay if you're doing infrastructure yep. as code stuff. Yeah, I think like you, you really need to make sure you have the right tooling in place to if you're going to do all those different Lambda functions, otherwise it becomes a mess. But I think like, whether it's serverless framework or SAM or, or um, serverless cloud, I think they do a decent job of, of making that manageable. But it is definitely like a mindset shift to just like, man, I have all this stuff everywhere. How do I how do I think about that? Yeah. So okay, rolling back a little bit. Yep. More about you. Okay. I sort of want to know how you think about yourself as like a business. Like, I don't know. I, yeah. I assume you have like an LLC or something, but I don't see you running like uh, your business under like a specific name or brand or anything. Yep. So I'm just like yeah. curious about how you're thinking about well, that. Well, yeah. And I definitely feel like an imposter being on this show for like a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, I don't write PHP and I feel like a lot of people on this show are, are PHP folks. Yeah, but, probably. But number- That's also not where I'm going with the podcast anyway. I want yeah. to just talk to people doing like businessy stuff. Nice. Uh, and the second reason is like, I don't have a SaaS, right? So I think a lot of folks so far have had like a SaaS business. I don't have that. I have, uh, you know, the book. So I'm like more info products type person plus consulting. So yeah, in terms of business structure, you know, I have an LLC. It's just, it's like Debris LLC. I think more recently I've started to call myself like Debris Advisory, at least on invoices and stuff, but I haven't like switched. I, I just need to update mm-hmm. my site to, to make it more clear that like, hey, I offer right. different services and things like that. So that's how I think of it. But like, I would say I think of, one thing I would say is I think of having a product ladder, which is something that like Jonathan Stark, who who he's got a lot of stuff about doing consulting and not doing hourly consulting, doing like sort of value-based consulting. But he has this idea of a product ladder where different people want you at different levels of engagement and you can have those different things and different sort of rates for each of those. And maybe you jump in order of magnitude in each one. So like at the bottom of the ladder, I have like a bunch of free content, right? I have DynamoDB guide. I have a bunch of blog posts and things like that where people find me and they're, that's when they start hearing about me. I build up some trust that way, but like they haven't paid me a dime yet. And then you can go like one step up that ladder and it's like, Hey, they want to buy, the book, right? The DynamoDB book, because they've read a bunch of these DynamoDB posts and like, okay, I, I, I want to learn more about this or like more holistically. So you have that part. That's like the next step on the product ladder. And even within that, I have multiple tiers of the book, which I highly recommend if you're going to do an info product, just to sort of segment people and buying interest that way. And then higher up on the ladder, that would be like custom projects, whether that's like a, a training workshop for an entire team or whether it's like, hey, I need to design a particular data model or something like that. Would you help us help us do that sort of thing? And that's like the the premium, the top of the ladder type thing. And it's like, a, you know, an order of magnitude 
difference in price between each of those different levels, I would say. Right. How, so I remember, I think I first reached out to you because I was getting some inbound interest about doing some consulting. And ultimately I decided I just can't fit it in between work and stuff. It's just like, I don't know if I have yeah. the right personality for it, but also yeah. just the time crunch of like having two jobs. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it will work really. But for you, like it sounds like the freelancing is kind of working out or is it even freelancing or is it kind of almost like a productized service type thing? Like what is the data modeling? Is that like, I I guess you said you do writing and the data modeling. Are those the two main things you're mainly freelancing for? Mostly. I would like I would split my business up into like thirds, which I would say a third is like the book itself and uh, a third of like income revenue type stuff. But also like a th I spend a decent time on like just like marketing that I do talks and things like that just to stay in front of people's mind for mm -hmm. that. A third would be probably DynamoDB specific consulting work, which it could be like a workshop. Sometimes I just do like training and I'll do like, hey, four sessions of two hours each over a four week period with your entire team just to teach you DynamoDB data modeling. And then the, the other third would be like some of those marketing technical writing projects and and um, things like that. So yeah, and I would say like you in, in terms of not having the time or things like that, I, I think it's really hard to have a full-time job and also sort of devote to consulting or different things like that it's just it, it competes for your attention in a lot of different ways um which is which is tricky so i can understand not wanting to to do consulting and, and those sorts of side things for sure yeah so are people inviting you are you doing those what's the word to use for them where you're teaching companies or like groups of people probably like a training or workshop something like that yeah so those are kind of more geared to like a specific company a specific company wants you to do that for their like developers or or you know, yep. their infrastructure people yeah, they might say, hey, we have 10 or 15 or 20 people. Uh, we want to go all in on DynamoDB, stuff like that. We're kind of new to it. Would you come in and do this? And and I'll do that. And um, again, I'm pretty flexible on how that works. But like the way I like to do it is say, hey, I'll give you over a period of four weeks. Let's do one session a week of two hours. Because I just think it's hard to jam in more than like two hours of training on a day, people start to zone out. Oh, for and sure. then I'm like, hey, two hours sounds grueling. Right. It really is. Cause it's like mostly lecture based too. And I, you know, Q and a and stuff like that, but it's like a lot, it's just a lot of information because DynamoDB modeling isn't super hands-on. It's more just like, Hey, you got to learn all these different concepts and things like that. So I do one session a week and then I'll be like hanging out in their Slack channel between, and hopefully they'll have some questions and we can like reinforce some of that stuff, something specific to what they're doing. Or like, okay, we learned about this concept. We have this problem in our, a service like how would we model that we can reinforce some of that stuff between sessions so yeah i'd say that's usually how i run those types of things what is the money like for those are those profitable or i don't know what you can say or what you want to say yeah i would say i think so um you know i try to i usually charge per head I'm trying to figure out how much to to give away because <laughs> sure. it's like sort of a dance on some of that stuff like i believe it yeah um you know yeah i'd say they 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 work out um, pretty well charge per head. It's usually like a pretty premium offering and types of things like that. You really have to like build up the trust ahead of time to feel like, um, um, that they'll get good, good stuff out of it. The other thing I'd say is like, I always throw in a copy of like the premium package of my book for every paid seat at the thing. And that's like $250. So it feels like, Hey, I'm getting a free $250 on top of this mm -hmm. other amount that I'm paying. It also helps to anchor it. Cause it's like, okay, if I could pay $250, to get this this issue of the book and he doesn't have to do any time at all it has to be some higher amount than that for him to come in and like spend some time specifically to talk with us and things like right. that so i think it 
Yeah, so I think they they work out pretty well. You know, I don't have I don't do like a ton of them, but I just get some inbound interest sometimes. And and again, it's sort of like the meetup talks. It's pretty easy for me to roll out most of that. I have a lot of that content pre-made, but I also try to make it specific to what they're doing and, and things like that. So cool. customize it to them. Right. Yeah. Have you ever thought of doing that as like a thing where people just anyone can sign up and you'll do like a like a workshop type thing? Yeah, I definitely have. And I mostly just been either like laziness or other busyness of, of not doing it. But there's a guy named Jan Trey, who's big in the serverless community. The Burning Monk is, is like his handle, but he does both private workshops. He does public workshops like that. Uh, I've always asked him about some of that stuff. And he's like, oh yeah, you should do it. They're, you know, they work out really well. I just, I just haven't gotten the time to like sign it up. There's probably also like a little bit of fear of just like, what if I put this out there and three people sign up and it's like, oh, how do I... You're right. It just feels like embarrassing if, if it doesn't work. So, uh, which, uh, yeah, I still just got to get over some of that stuff. So Yeah, I feel you there. I've actually, because I've thought about that idea also, because it seems yeah. like it would probably be a lot of work, but that's a lot of prep ahead of time. And actually yeah. doing like the, the lectures, we'll call them, seems mm-hmm. not too bad, perhaps. Yep. And the thing is, too, like once you plan it once, then you can roll it out. Like if you feel like there's ongoing interest, you can do one of these every three months, you know, every mm-hmm. like do four of these a year pretty easily. And you've got the content already prepped and, and good to go. So, right. Yeah. How do you think exactly. about your sort of like info product stuff? I know you've mentioned recently you've been you've been focused more on shipper CI. Like, are you doing it's, a lot more with the, the info or what do you what do you think? It's tough because it's once again competition time to competition. You know, the yeah. job, the kids, uh, the info products and chipper. Uh, the info products stuff, the latest thing I'm doing is Cloudcasts, which is you can you can purchase a course or you can subscribe. Now I started that before I I started uh, pounding on Chipper. So like I that had a decent, you know, okay launch on last Black Friday. That helped that gave me some money and I could do that to pay uh, to help pay for my half of Tripper CI, sure. I bought you know my Perfect. business partner's half out, so I own the whole thing. Yeah, which is nice, but now I have two businesses. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do I do with this? So, yeah. um, I've been working on Tripper CI. I've been doing a lot of work there. I actually am getting some part time help from someone who's helping me do some development on it, which has been super stress relief because his work is really good. And then also, you know, I don't have to do all the development work. Like, try to cram mm. that in between eight and ten p.m. every night. Yep. So uh, the problem there is that it still requires a lot of like thinking time of like how to redo pricing and all this kind of stuff that I've been trying to think through. Yeah. So I've only gotten to Cloudcast like here and there. So I'm in the middle of making a serverless course. Mm-hmm. And that is like going well, but I, I've almost like, lost focus on how I want to make it. So I'm just yeah. kind of like, like I've done the intro stuff where like this is what lambda is this is like how to use it essentially and then i've done a module on hooking it up to api gateway and all that stuff mm-hmm. the way i ended up doing that is kind of i don't know if it's interesting but what i did is i just made cli calls i didn't try to do terraform or like try to oh, teach like way all this stuff on top of it and that was interesting because i was like oh i have to make a ton of weird api calls to get so API many gateway yeah. To work. <laughs> yeah api gateway is such a weird beast yeah. it is it is yeah but I hopefully made that all make sense. But I want to yeah. I want to devote the last half of this course to maybe making like a real app that has like a queue worker and talking to RDS, maybe through the proxy and something like that. Nice. Probably a database. Yep. I think most of my audience is like PHP and MySQL people. Yep. So yep. Like, instead of that, instead of Dynamo necessarily. Yeah, yep, sure. I've used Dynamo almost in production. We ended up going nice. a different direction, but it was, okay. it was pretty cool. Yep. Nice. That whole single table design is it's, <laughs> it's weird for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say like, it was super weird when you like reached out to me to talk about, you know, AWS like last year, because, you know, I had bought your, I had bought servers for hackers like 
a long time. I looked in the email oh, this cool. morning. I bought it back on in October of 2014. I bought servers nice. for hackers. So it was pretty wild to like, I don't know. It's just fun to like meet different people and, and see the different paths that, that happen right. from this stuff. Yeah. And my path is weird. Like I had, I had two good years where I made more than my revenue and then I had kids and then it was like downhill yeah. from there because yeah. I was not prepared for, for that transition in my life. But it, it's, it's really hard. I think to like create stuff, like create, info type stuff when you have a full-time job like mm-hmm. I see, like we were talking earlier i announced the book when i got that hero stuff and i tried to work on it for like two or three months but i still had a full-time job and i was like i am not gonna be able to make any progress on that and i finally was just like okay i'm gonna quit my job i saved up this chunk of money and be like i've got three months gonna try and get this book out and if it totally fails i'll, I'll get another job or something like that yeah so how how did that work out with the family? Was that like stressful? Like, did your wife hate that idea? <laughs> no, she was in on it and like i had just finished a a project with, you know, I was doing those sort of tutorial projects with AWS. And I had just finished that and like gotten like a sort of chunk of unexpected cash there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, okay, this will last us for this period. Uh, she was all in on it. She's, she's been very supportive because I've had like a weird career path. Like she and I both went to law school and um, I worked as a lawyer for like nine months. And then I went and decided I wanted to be a programmer instead. So she was like super supportive of that switch. She was super supportive of me quitting my job to write a book. Mm-hmm. Like who, who does that? So, um, yeah. cool. It's awesome. Yeah. I know the, we wanted more stability. I think me and, and my wife, Yep. just so we, we kept the job, kept the healthcare, all that kind of stuff. Like yep. maybe I could have, but I also didn't have, I didn't have like a clear path of like, can I actually make another course like in another yeah. year? That's going to like, that seemed all too scary. Yeah. So I never made the jump. Um, yep. And I still like where I work a lot. It's kind of yeah. like I'm embedded in the Laravel community. I work with people like who are super into it and just like and stay in Slack and Telegram channels with them also all day. So I really like that aspect and don't really want to lose that by just like kind of going off and doing this other stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we'll see because I have to see if Chipper is going to grow at all. It's yeah. grown like a bit since I started working on it. F- I, don't, I was about to say full time, but it's not full time. It's just like as this this year I've been really actually trying to grow it. Yeah. So we're going to see what happens. I got some new pricing that's going to come out that should hopefully nice. uh, move the needle a bit and then do some more marketing stuff. Yeah. Um, how, how do people find, how do new customers find Chipper? Like, is it from like the Laravel community that you're involved mm-hmm. in? Are there like, uh, is there a lot of marketing or blog posts or things? Or, like, what's that sort of path look like? So there's going to be more of that content stuff, but also nice. just being part of the Laravel community, it's referenced. The main thing is that it's referenced in documentation for a few first party things like Laravel Forge that makes the server stuff and okay. uh, Vapor, which is the serverless offering and Nova, yeah. which is like the admin panel. So it's like, that's one of the bigger ones. And then Twitter and then my email lists and stuff like that. Yeah. And then I'm going to do a marketing push later after that. So after this new pricing, because the new pricing is like, we'll fix some issues in terms mm-hmm. of I, I don't get enough value from people using the app a lot. Uh, you know what I mean? Because they're still paying like 39 bucks a month or maybe a little yeah. more, but like yeah. not enough really. It's like the yeah. amount of usage they're getting out of it is crazy. Yeah. On the low end, you know, it's kind of a jump to go from zero to 39 bucks a month for depending on, on like the user persona, but like, yeah. I have in mind. So I'm going to change pricing to help do that stuff. And that's been a whole journey to like yeah. figure out what the right pricing seed is. Like, and are you, are you like, talk, how do you investigate that? Like, do you, are you just talking with a bunch of other SaaS people or like, yes. how do you figure out? Okay. That's partially why this podcast exists. Yeah. It's <laughs> also an excuse just to talk to people, but, but then yeah. also I'm talking to people who, you know, like Ian who works at, or who owns Userscape, my boss, like he's mm-hmm. well, part of the reason why I stay is because he loves like 
don't know if he loves it, but he allows us to design yeah. projects. Doesn't yeah. try to own our IP or anything, but it's also a good sounding board. Like we'll give good info. And then people in the Laravel community, Taylor, uh, Adam Wathan, you know, just like people who are yeah. like, well, let me talk to them. Luckily. Yeah. I had Matt Wensing on this podcast and he gave me some really great ideas and pricing and, and yeah. Peter soon we does reform. It's just like try, trying to talk to, I don't know, like in the last year or two, I've developed uh, more of a network of people doing this stuff somehow. Just like, yeah. and I'm finally, I'm trying to like cash in those ships finally after like yeah. meeting all these people, like getting their advice and people like, it, you know, people yeah. love uh, giving their take on stuff and yeah. more so than any other time. I've really been getting feedback from as many people as I can on this specific topic. So yeah. Um, it's been kind of crazy to get so many points of view on it. And it's all been really helpful. Yeah. Aaron Francis, who was on the podcast, uh, got me yeah. invited into a Slack of other business owners. And they've also been super helpful, especially like talking towards people who sell to businesses to get more advice on, on getting like the high end of yeah. uh, capturing value, right? Getting like, more money from people. Like, will you ever go to like a contact us type of plan or will you, all, will you try to make it always self-service? That technically exists, but no one has ever done it. No one's contacted <laughs> you. Yeah. But, you're probably because you're providing too much value at, at 39 bucks a month or something Yeah, like that, yeah. And it's all weird depending on, you know, like it's yeah. very Laravel specific, which is kind of weird for a CI yeah. tool. So the people using it are all looking for like an easy onboarding, like easy to use pre-configured yeah. tool, not like the all powerful can do anything. Yeah. And are there any other like Laravel specific ones or are you mostly just competing with like Travis and Circle and more generic ones? Yeah, it's actions? all competition. I, I, the, I knew of one Rails specific one by his name is what andrew culver do you know of him like in the rails community that name sounds super familiar yeah. he's making a product that is sort of like laravel spark which is a, a sass in a box thing you can add on uh, okay rails. yep yep and and all sorts of stuff like that and he also made yeah. those cool laptop stands <laughs> okay I don't know nice. if you see that. wow that's amazing i love like people doing hard work like i, I feel like there's like different levels of difficulty like info products is the easiest one sass is like a level up but it's a little, you know harder and then like making real stuff in the real world is right people like, who have to doing that yeah get stuff made from china or something i don't yeah know. So i'll impressive. ask him about that yeah um but he started a rails one and then shut it down so i'm gonna get him okay. on the podcast and ask him how that went for him oh, um so i don't know of any other language framework specific ones everything's kind of generic i think the biggest mm -hmm. competitor is github actions because they have such a good free tier and most people are on github and it's in your code yeah for sure although like i don't know all the uh i mean there's been a lot of reliability stuff with them that's it true recently i've heard so right you know. and i've every time i'm like can't tweet about it it'll look bad yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it's true uh, yep do you um what was i gonna say oh do you have many like reliability issues or do you get paged in the night or the weekends or anything like that uh with assassin so good i don't really? know why i don't know why i'm this lucky <laughs> I'm gonna don't talk about it yeah. don't want to jinx it yeah <laughs> okay the setup is fairly simple it's uh the front end is literally just a server one server it's not auto scaled or anything it just like keeps chugging away the main that's the main application and that's easy to rebuild if i need to um yeah. but it hasn't been really an issue and that is just the web app and also uh queue workers but the the interesting part is the Nomad cluster that that is auto scale and is oh, fancy. So yeah. it's all EC2 servers. You know, there's a cluster of the the servers, which is like you know we don't call it master anymore, but the the, the servers. And yep. then there's the clients, uh, yep. which are the things that actually run jobs, and those are auto scaled separately and do kind of interesting stuff. That's so fun. in I can auto scale in business hours because luckily CI is so regular with you know yep. people are at work, so they're doing work. People are at home, they're not pushing code to their work stuff. So yeah. Um, so, really oh, so is way. that auto scaling set up more on time rather than yes. load just because you can totally on time. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
That's awesome. Which is really nice because doing it on load would be scary because it, it goes, the load gets really high all the time because people are, are periodically running Node.js tasks and all that stuff. So like it would yeah. be really hard to balance uh, that correctly because yeah. yep. so, it's so spiky. And if it's busy, then it's spiky all the time and it would be auto scaling out, but I wouldn't necessarily be able to fill those other servers up. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's all weird. There's like so many caveats to, yeah. to how that all works, but it's fun. It's not, sir, do, I've, I've been thinking about trying to see if I could fit it into a serverless like Lambda thing, but there's a lot of we, weird stuff I'd have to do. We did a little bit of that when I was at serverless on some stuff. We, we were wondering if we could run CI jobs like in Lambda and then it depends on like what people are doing. So we ended up using like more like Fargate type stuff just to give us right. um, Docker containers and things like that. Yeah, but, exactly. It's weird if like you need to talk to MySQL or something. Yep. Although yeah. I think there's sneaky ways to build that into your Lambda runtime now. Yep. Yeah, you could do all kinds of things. Yeah. I, I, the other big part was just like the the 15 minute runtime if people had really long jobs yep. or something. No, that like would that. be Maybe an issue for some like, people. Yep. The average so. runtime is about five minutes, but some people definitely go above 15. Yep. Exactly. Do you ever have to scale your cluster up beyond like those pre-configured rules, or do, like does the queue just sort of back up a little bit if that happens, or how's that work? Yeah, occasionally, but pretty rarely. Which is nice. Yep. I'm a little over provisioned, and then I purchased reservations, so the price is cheaper. You know, I did the I yep. did this past year. I did one year full up front, so I had a big bill up front, and then nice and that kind of stuff. Which is nice. Like there's you know there's thousands of MRR, you know, not enough to live off of, but yep. if I have expenses like that, there's enough to cover it, which is yep. a nice spot to be in. At least you know I'm not I'm not it's not like doing so poorly that uh, yep. server cost is an issue. Is is um, your dream to go full time on Chipper? I think so, but it depends okay. on what it does. Like it depends on how it grows. Yeah, it would be. It would actually be nice to have Chipper be like ten thousand MRR, and then also have a job if if that ten thousand MRR rate isn't is sustainable in terms of support yep. and everything. And support's actually the volume right now is super low. So, you know, we're gonna see the new pricing could change that because I'm trying to get people at the lower end of the price tier to get into. So we'll see if that turns out to be a different type of customer in terms of customer support volume. Also, yep. That's cool. That's fun. Do you like it's, doing support? It's okay. Sometimes yeah. it's annoying, yeah. but it's, it's, it's the, okay. So the most annoying part about support isn't the questions. It's just the fact that I don't know how to possibly offload this to anyone else yeah. because it's very server specific and it's like you need someone technical enough to know what their question so technical. is. And then but, it's hard to like, how do you hire? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm paying a dev salary at that point. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and I can't even afford to live off it myself. So yeah. I guess it's me yeah. for a little while. It's almost like you need like four really close, four or five, like really close sort of all technical people all can be working on the product. All mm -hmm. take some time on support, but then it's, yeah. I don't know. It's hard to find that many people and get the I, MRR up high enough to support that many people. So yeah, I, I've definitely thought about, if I could get people in the Laravel community to help and like mm -hmm. pay them, but like, yep. you know, part-time, whatever rate would work or just whatever I could do to get people to help out if yep. it becomes an issue. The volume right now is low enough where it's really not, which is uh, nice. You know, it's, yep. it's like simple enough for everybody. most stuff kind of just works. And occasionally there's a weird issue where I can help people out with like super occasionally there's someone who like has never really done testing or anything and yeah. like needs a lot of handholding, but that's, that's more rare. How do you, do you, do you like go through all that stuff or do you more just be like, Sorry, like this is beyond what I. Can. I go through that <laughs> stuff because I feel yeah. like I need to at this phase. Yep. To get people yep. to stick around. <laughs> yep. Yep. Sure. And I, I mean, I really like we, the the my job, my W two job is a customer support application, and we all do customer support. Have always yep. done that. So I've I've, you know, had eight years You've of doing customer skills. support of. Yeah. You know, this, and then before that, I was doing a lot of project management at my at my job at this marketing agency. So I've always been doing like kind of customer communication stuff. Yep. Yep. Nice. 
I have questions for you. More questions okay. for you. All right. More questions for me. All right. You recently DM'd me about some personal finance stuff, and that's yes. a super interesting side topic that I always <laughs> love to dive into. Yeah. Um, one, two things. One, yeah. what are you doing for healthcare right now? Because you're US based. Yep. Is it all, you're on the market, I guess? Obamacare? Yeah. No, we have like this special, th- we have like sort of a weird situation. We're in like this health share type thing. It's, I would say it's sort of like almost like a high deductible healthcare plan that you can get for for being on your own. The Part of the reason we can do this, where we're sort of fortunate, is like my my wife's dad is a general practitioner doctor, uh, like a family practice doc that lives five minutes for us. So if, from us. So if we have like very small things, we can go to him and like don't need to go to mm. urgent care or stuff like that. So that helps with like a lot of the lower stuff. And then we just sort of have the insurance on top of that if, you know, somebody gets cancer or, or right. some major thing happens, you know, we have that covered. So definitely fortunate in that. I think the general insurance market for solo people is uh, not fun, not a right. fun place Super to be playing expensive. around in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So and hard to find like doctor, like we would have to switch. We'd probably have to find new pediatricians and stuff. Yeah. That all sounds very yep. painful. Yeah. So I don't know what we do if, you know, I mean, we just make do, I suppose, on the marketplace if if not. But yeah, so, so sort of lucky to be in, in that particular situation mm-hmm. and cool. not replicable for most people. So that's why right. I don't give advice on this particular one. Cause I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm not very Yeah. It's here. hard. And like, yeah, all of us talking here are lucky to be in like the dev salary range. So like a high deductible yeah. plan could potentially work out as assuming yeah. you're saving your money. Yeah. You're kind of self-insuring a little bit on the low end. And then, you know, if something really bad happens, it's not like you're going to lose your house or something like that. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So how, how about, uh, how are you thinking about retirement and that kind of stuff? Yeah, um, sure. I mean, yeah, do you, do you? Because I love the when you're talking with Jason McCreary on this, I thought this was this was super interesting. And like, I had a hard time finding a lot of this stuff because I was like, okay, I have this money. I've heard about like how you can save money on taxes and stuff if you have a a self employed business type of thing. But I, you know, all the information out there is for people with like W two jobs and things like that. So yeah. I would say it's really nice if you're like a self employed person. And you, especially if you have like lumpy income and you just want to, you know, you have, you release a book or something like, you know, two years ago, I released a book and I had just from like the launch and things like that had way higher income that year than like most years and just want to put a bunch of that away. Like first thing I would say is if you're on your own, you can put away like this year, I think it's 61,000 pre-tax in retirement, in retirement accounts, where that's a SEP IRA or a solo 401k or something like that. So it's basically like with that 61k, it's, it's usually, it's like. I think 20,500 is individual and 40,500 is from your company. But since you own the company, you can decide, Hey, I'm going to put in the full match and all that, or all right. that money. So you can save 61,000 pre-tax. It goes into a retirement account. You don't have to pay tax on that at all. So like, you know, and that's, so you think about what you're saving on that. You know, if you're in like the 30% tax bracket or something like that, you, you've just saved 30% of $61,000, which is really right. nice. And then it's just going to grow for a bunch of years. You're, you'll, you'll eventually have to pay tax on that when you pull it out. But assuming I'm guessing when you're retired, you're going to be in a lot lower tax bracket. So that should be pretty beneficial to you. So right. there's that. The other thing is like, if you have a really high sort of spiky income and you want to do even more, you can do this thing called a cash balance plan, which is basically like a it's like a defined benefit pension that like used to happen in the eighties and now no companies offer pensions anymore, but you can, you know, again, if you're like a solo company, you set one of these up, you can put away like, depending on your age, like seriously, like 50,000 to like $150,000 again, away pre-tax. 
wow. which is just bananas. So like if you have a super spiky year in income and you just want to put away a slug of money, you can do like 150 uh, fairly easily with with sort of Neat. those those two things. So that second one, that's going to like, it's a little more complicated. You're probably gonna have to like pay an actuary or like a plan administrator to do that. So maybe like two or 3000 bucks or something like that. Oh. But again, it can be a good way to like supercharge your, your earnings. If you're a solo creator that like has a big slug of income because right. of a book launch or something like that. Neat. Yeah. So the, I've been filing my LLC as a, as an escort. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like an escort election. You get treated as an escort in terms of the yeah. IRS, which means I pay myself a salary. So I have like a W2 of my own and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, my accountant keeps telling me that my SEP IRA is limited by how much I pay myself that salary as opposed mm-hmm. to the total income of the business. So I've I've been staying under, I think it's like 25% of your salary or something like yep. that that you pay yourself. Correct. Um, now, the, the Fidelper LLC business doesn't make a lot since I've like, that's that's where all my courses and stuff are. Mm-hmm. So like I had two two good years that I was talking about before where I made more of my salary and that's when I set all that stuff up thinking that would continue yeah. but then it, it didn't so yeah. I'm actually gonna file as just a regular LLC next year I'm gonna change it and then I won't be paying get, get rid of your S corp you're saying it's not it's just getting or, or rid of get the rid of your S election yeah yeah okay I'm not a t- man I'm not yeah I'm just saying it's just it's just with the position I think I'm in because hopefully Chipper grows and that's a different LLC. Gotcha. And then um, the Fidel Power LLC just like floats on by with the course stuff as they make it. Okay. The one thing I would say for like, I think part of the reason to have the LLC is is like you're saying, like you have to pay yourself a salary and you have to take like, um, you know, like your FICA taxes against that, which is going right. to be 13% or something like that. Plus like an additional 2.9 self-employment tax or something like that. Mm-hmm. But if you already have, I believe again, not, not tax advice here. If you already have a full-time job at userscape, that's already paying your FICA and stuff like that. And, and like the FICA limit is, I can't remember, like 130 or 140,000, somewhere up there, like to where you don't pay any more FICA taxes on okay. that. Even if you had different income. So depending on that, you know, you'd still be paying like the 3% in self-employment tax or whatever that is, but you wouldn't okay. be paying all those, all those FICA things. And then, and then you can choose like how much do I want to put in my SEP IRA this year and sort right. of set your salary based on that and do 25% of, of that into your SEP. Interesting. I wonder if I can even do the SEP IRA as of, if I don't have a W2 like thing, right? Can you for the, just a straight up LLC? I think you can, it's, it's going to be limited to, I'm pretty sure you can, because I think if you're just a regular LLC, not an S election, I think that is just all treated as, I can't remember if that's I'll have to ask my accountant, because I yeah. asked him that when I talked to him about ditching yep. the S corp election. And you can check out the SOO 401k, which I think doesn't have the same right, 25% limitation as the as the SEP. Um, so I'm, I'm not positive on that. I should really brush up on some of this stuff. You got to see. I am taking a little bit of a gamble, hoping Chipper grows, or but I'm only going to spend like a year on it and if it doesn't grow a bunch or i don't know about a bunch just like if it's not in the right trajectory then i don't know what i'll do so or you know i guess i could just spend time and doing course stuff in between that too like i don't, yep. I don't have to go full on chipper ci all the time yeah plus you're, plus you're doing great with userscape like you're in a good position you know you've got you like you've got your main th- your userscape thing and then you're like sowing all these seeds everywhere else and, and yeah hopefully i'm um i just turned 37 last november so i'm starting to feel a little old for like still like being at those planting my seeds <laughs> stage yeah <laughs> yeah yep. uh, no um, way no way 37 is not old at all so, uh, so yeah. we'll see yep. there's no reason to not keep going and then in a few years the kids are gonna be in school full-time all day so i'll have like all of a sudden like, oh, more yeah. chunks of time freeing up than right now yeah exactly 
Okay, so I don't know if this will be quick, but we can't be okay. quick. Okay. I don't want to go to more do than it. an hour. No, whatever, yeah. Cloudcast. I yes. don't know if I like this business at all because it's um, single. You can purchase a course or you can get the subscription. And the subscription is a year and then, you know, or renews, but who knows what the turn is going to be if people are going to keep mm -hmm. going. And then you get every everything I put out, which is like a bunch of mini courses and then also like the, the whatever big course I put out, like the next big courses. Yeah. Uh, so you get access to everything if you subscribe, which I think yeah. I like, I kind of like that model, but I wonder if in my position I need to like switch this up and do something else because I'm only because I'm not going to be adding videos like every day or every week even. It'll mm -hmm. be like monthly, you know, I'll get something up there, um, yeah. sometimes less, but, you know, somewhere around monthly is my, is my goal. Yeah. I don't know, like, I feel like I need to start being more strategic. Like Chipper CI has, has put me in this mindset where I'm like doing stuff super strategically, like in terms of the features I build to, to get more people to know about it, like open source features so people can see it. And then the pricing I have set is like, has all this like hours of thinking of like, you know, how to set the pricing to, to grow the business. And I'm yeah. not doing that with Cloudcast. And I feel like I really need to be for, uh, or could be for, um, for the course type stuff. I don't really, I just like don't know what to do with this thing really. Yeah. I would say, so do you have some free stuff on Cloudcast and then mm -hmm. some, and then some of it's paid? Okay. So yeah, I think you need to, yeah. Like I would think of like, what are, what are the free things I can get to get people? You want to say like sort of the broad based, but maybe like beginner to intermediate things, I think make those free. And ideally people are coming to you, trusting you and, and building an understanding of you. It's like, you want to get people, hopefully that's raking well and sort of search results and things like that, that they can, they can find you and then have the supplemental things on top of that, uh, to upsell them different things, which is hard, man. It's hard to know. I think the balance between like what to give away and what to pay, what to have paid and is, mm -hmm. a, is a tricky one. I think like the more specific things should be paid. An interesting person might be that, that Gil Rails guy. Uh, is it Chris? Oliver, is that his name or something like that? Do you know who I'm talking about? Go Rails? Yes, I know of it. I know of it, but I don't remember who who's doing it. Um, yeah, Chris Oliver. He'd be super interesting, I think, because he has Go Rails. That was like screencasts on Ruby's on Ruby on Rails. I think he did really mm -hmm. well with that sort of thing. And I think he had like a monthly subscription type thing. He was pretty regular about putting out videos. I think that would be the t tricky thing about having yeah. a subscription is you'd almost feel, or at least, yeah. It, you'd feel like obligated to like keep pushing forward. Otherwise, like, how are we, you know, how am I justifying that sort of thing? Mm -hmm. um, so probably selling those individually if you want, but also having the subscription, I think is good. You know, once, I think once your library is big enough too, I think having the monthly subscription is fine because a lot of people aren't going to want to buy every single one individually right. or like pack of them individually, but, but just have access to them as they need to. So. Yeah, I agree. It's an interesting issue or interesting problem. It's kind of a yep. good problem to have. I just got to figure out kind of what to do with this. Yep. I think um, you, like, are you focusing on, like you mentioned PHP MySQL. Are you, do you think, are most of those screencasts focused on PHP Laravel type folks or are they more generic or what? They use them, but it's also kind of more generic with what I have up there right now. So the two mm -hmm. big courses that are full is auto scaling, which is EC2 auto scaling, that kind of stuff. So the fact that yep. the servers I build with an AMI for that has PHP on them is pretty incidental. Yeah. Although, you know, some stuff, you know, it's just the example I use, but it's not like it has to be PHP to, for this to make sense. Mm -hmm. And then the Lambda course right now, I'm all kind of all over the place because PHP is not inherent to Lambda. It's not, you know, officially supported and Laravel Vapor exists, which is like kind of takes care of the PHP angle. It just kind of does all that stuff yep. for you. Kind of like how serverless cloud is, is doing its thing. Yeah. Um, 
so I've mostly been jumping between Golang and JavaScript for this course, this gotcha. serverless course. So yep. I think I might finish the rest of the course off with JavaScript and doing like the part where I start making a quote unquote real application might all be JavaScript. Yep. Yep. Okay. So then you're not focused. I like the biggest thing I would say is try to have your content support each other to where like one person is going to be interested in like almost all of it. Right. Mm, so yeah. if it's not the PHP focus, that's fine. Like it doesn't have to be a language specific focus. It's more like, Hey, you know, maybe I'm the sort of DevOps person at my five person startup or not even the DevOps person, but like someone needs to figure out how the heck to get this deployed, set up auto scaling, right. Sprinkling these Lambda functions where, where necessary stuff like that. So, but just like the more you can make that, you know, all that content support each other. And like the same person that's interested in auto scaling is going to be interested in this Lambda thing. It's going to be interested in, your API gateway thing, whatever it is, things yeah, like that. That makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm, there's a bunch of ways I could go with that. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Do you do much, uh, I mean, like you have like a, I assume a decent, even email list from like servers for hackers or from Cloudcast yeah. and things like that. Do you use that much or like, what's that look like? Yeah. Not as much as I should, um, yeah. but it's there. So yeah, the the Cloudcast list is in the low thousands, and the Service Hackers list is like twenty thousand or so. Wow! But the open rates and everything have just like dropped off, you know, yep. in, in the last few years since I, I don't yep. email it regularly and yeah, that kind of stuff. Yep. So I, it's like there, but like rotting away, sort of. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like I'll email it with like what I'm up to for mm-hmm. like kind of across all my stuff. Like I'll even yeah. send it, be like, hey, I've, I have this podcast, and then also like Chipper CI is getting worked on, but then also I put out this course. Yeah. That kind of email occasionally. Yep. And then and what then about course, just like? Oh, go ahead. I just Black Friday is you know a whole yeah. thing where we're yep. emailing out all the time. Yep. What about just like initial sign up slash drip type stuff? Like if someone comes to Cloudcast, can they sign up get? you know, access to something if they put in their email and then maybe you send yeah, two or three emails. That exists. That sort of the, okay. I have to remember what I'm doing for the drip sequences there. I don't even know if yeah. I have like a proper drip one right now. Cause I, I, I did all that work for previous courses in the past, but I haven't so much for this. Yeah. Everything's been so weird with the timing of when chipper stuff came up and, and yeah. making this. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Cause that's like, I, I hated sort of doing all that email stuff and actually had a guy, a guy that helped me. He helped me do some, ads at first he's like hey i think this could really work well with like google ads or reddit ads or facebook ads or things like that and that ended up not being successful and i think it's just because like developers don't sort of yeah ads are love ads you know like the and so we didn't do that but he also helped me just set up like the email trip sequence of like hey you can sign up you can get a little preview of the book and then i'll send mm-hmm. you two emails after that just to remind you and i think that helped um, yeah, I think that was my like my issue with those level. is always the strategy of how to word those emails and what yeah. like the strategy of the drip email sequence yeah. is because I've definitely made them and I've always just felt like I'm just firing things and just you know hope the spaghetti sticks to the wall. Yep. Yeah, I know, and you don't want to be like, hey, I'm <laughs> I'm bugging you again or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 tough, but yeah, figuring that out. Yeah, there's so many angles to this. I mean, it's a whole other business, so it's not like any of it's as easy. Yep. Yep. <laughs> exactly. It's true. So. Cool. Okay, so we're almost at an hour, 10 minutes shy of an hour. I don't yep. know if you have anything else you um, want to talk about Um we can wrap it up. Yeah, I don't think so. I would just say, you know, if I would if I would sum up, like, my learnings from this from the last, like, five, ten years or whatever, I just think, like, writing on the internet really is a superpower. And, like, Patrick McKenzie, you know, talks about that all the time, a lot of people. But just, like, I, yeah, the biggest 
benefits I've had over the last over over my career have definitely been from just like writing on the internet. You get to meet interesting people. You get to uh, you just get lots of interesting job opportunities or work opportunities. Like so, I would I would highly recommend that for for anyone. Like you know a lot of cool stuff. Put it out there, and and I think you'll just get a lot from it. Yeah, I agree. I've also had some interesting conversations with Aaron Francis and other people about using Twitter effectively, which is neat. Like not being super grim on Twitter is <laughs> the yeah. short the TLDR of it. <laughs> it's it's true. It's true. I'm I'm annoyed at like the uh the threading in Twitter right now that's like mm-hmm. popping up everywhere. So that's it's like frustrating to see all the like, oh man, you would never believe this banana story that happened and it's like right like giant giant 20 thread thing yeah it's kind of like a little bit of tiktok cringe bleeding into twitter yeah like something like that yep yeah some of it's interesting but some of it is is not you know just just like like, over yeah overwrought type thing but but um but yeah i agree like using twitter like twitter is like my favorite place to hang out i was i was talking with a group of guys the other day about like our social media habits and things like that and i feel weird because i was like i probably spend four hours a day on Twitter, which sounds, <laughs> which sounds horrible, but it's like, it's also just a lot of networking and learning type stuff. Like I live in Omaha, Nebraska, and I don't work for a company. So I don't have devs that I talk to on a daily basis other than via Twitter or something like that, you know? Right. So I think like, it's, it's an awesome way to learn, learn things, meet people, all that, all that sort of thing. If you're, if you're using it well and not just, again, like you're saying, being, being grim all the time. <laughs> right. What's do you have any next kind of goal that you're working towards? Oh um, man, it. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Secret um, projects. I like. Yeah, I want to. Um, I want to find like a big project because I feel like right now I'm just sort of like muddling along and like taking contract work as it comes, but not mm-hmm. working towards a big project. I think part of that is just like fearful of. I, I think I got lucky with like the positioning and timing of the Dynamo DB book, and it worked pretty well. And I, I think I'm like the next thing I do is probably not going to work as well as that, and I don't like don't want to have that sort of thing but I, I need to find some sort of big project so i'd like to do either another book or a course or even even try a SaaS, although that feels uh intimidating as well so i'm trying to i'm trying to find a my next big project but i wouldn't right. say i have have anything cool mind. yeah all right okay so let's do the usual podcast ending stuff where okay. can people find you twitter is probably the best place it's alex b debris uh, is my is my handle. You can also find, you know, my blog is alexdebris.com if you want to find me there. I've got my email all over it. So feel free to reach out if you want to talk DynamoDB, AWS, uh, personal finance for solo creators, um, writing on the internet, anything like that. Feel free. I always like to, to chat with people and, and hear more about what they're up to. All right, cool. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me.